knowledge is power. Hello. Hi, Sandy. How are you? How are you going? That's a really dope background you got there. Well, you like it. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, adjusting to a a smaller room. I thought it was kind of strange to have my bed in such an obvious site, but here I am. Oh, I actually didn't notice that it was your bed at all. Oh, Um, yeah. It looks like a couch in the background. And I love that you have Einstein there. Someone actually asked me on a podcast interview last week if I could go back in history and have... (laughs) lunch with someone who would it be and I said Einstein and it was Einstein I like that choice what do you think that you would legitimately ask him like if you were like your first question he's just sitting there waiting for you at the table what would you even say yeah that's such a good question I don't know I feel like I feel like one of the things that intrigues me the most about him is how like he seems like a very um like a crazy person right and and I think what fascinates me about that is that it's typically the people who are quote unquote crazy and are out of this world that can get us somewhere. So I, I, I just, I'm just curious about like how he lives, like how, how he manage his personal life with the work that he does, you know, like yeah. how did, how did he, how did he do all that? You know, ex- especially when you're being so known for the work that you do, like, how do you manage your own personal life? I just find that kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, because now, you know, we think of him, he's this legend now. He's he's an icon in, in a way, you know, he's, I'm going to have posters of him on my wall, you know, so he is like this pop culture thing almost. But even just in that time, I wonder how different it was for him too. You know, like if right. they really saw him, obviously he was, you know, proposing things um, that were changing our, the way we looked at reality at its very core. But I kind of wonder if he, if a lot of people just kind of kept, thinking he was crazy most of the time. And then it was not till a, an afterthought where they're like, okay, actually that was pretty profound what he was doing and thinking. Yeah. Because I think like in the world that we live in today, there's so many different, uh, like with the social media and everything like that, there's so many different ways that you can view yourself. And sometimes when you're so deep in your own work as an expert, you know, and then you have your personal life as well. I feel like people go through these identity these identity, um, like not knowing what to identify as. And I'm just curious with Einstein, like what, what that was like for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine what, once his theories are, are taken seriously and then they're proposed into the scientific community, like how would you not be so ultra aware of, wow, I'm, I'm the guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You would be, you would become that identity. It'd be hard not to. So yeah, Yeah. it would be super cool to talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'm excited that we're connecting. That was a that was a cool start. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hey, in, anybody who who likes Einstein, I'm usually pumped. About. I I think that for me, because um, I've got like a couple Einstein shirts and stuff too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, and I'm not I'm not someone who can like recite everything he's ever said. Um, I just I'm so fascinated by someone who sees the world and goes, huh, like, I wonder if there's an answer to it. Or I wonder if that's something I could solve or, you know, just someone who's using their ideas or their intellect or their inner, you know, thought patterns to, to decipher the world around them is just so, so cool to me to like push against those boundaries. 
Yeah, well, I love what your like the summary of your podcast says. It's like exploring the galaxies of human connections and understanding perception, right? Like that's why people like him are so fascinating to me because it takes someone who is very courageous and brave to challenge the status quo or to challenge what's what's normal and to actually challenge the entire world to start viewing things a lot differently as well. Uh, like he must have been very, very crazy, you know, during those times. But today you and I are sitting down together right now and we don't even know him personally or anything, but we're talking about him. Right. So yeah. it's just it makes me think about like, how can we bring forth more trailblazers and people who think out of the box and and people who are willing to challenge what we're being told or what we're being taught, which I think is so important in the times that we're living in right now. Like, I can't stress that enough. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one hundred percent. Though I think we're we're doing our best by, you know, by having the conversations out loud, and you know, by you being your authentic selves, it gives permission for other people to do the same. You know, yeah, sometimes yeah. just just by us, uh, you know, li- living as close as we can, or living from that like center, being within ourselves, like his sparks something within other people, it ushers that epiphany in within other people, that's and then so they're true. given permission. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, so let's uh, let's back up a little bit, Sandy. Welcome to the Junkyard Love Podcast. Um, I, I was really excited to, uh, reading your bio and everything. So let's just start with, uh, I have a few notes. There's a lot of cool stuff and I was listening to you on some podcasts and uh, I really like a lot of your perspective. So let's just start with a bio, um, kind of what got you to where you are? What do you do? Um, yeah, wh- what is it? what it is that you do, Sandy? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm Sandy. I am a fiance, a dog mom, uh, a big sister to some two younger siblings, um, daughter of two immigrants, first generation Asian American. Um, My background is Vietnamese, Black and Indian. It's typically one of the first questions that I get when I walk outside the door is I always have people approach me and ask what my ethnicity is. So I, I like to, I like to talk about that. Uh, and I am a meditation teacher practitioner, and I have an online wellness practice where I work with individuals to guide them back to their center and, and help them to awaken to the wholeness that they already are. Uh, I think a lot of times, especially through my own personal journey, uh, one of the things that I've learned is that we receive what I call so much of external programming in our lives that we absorb that to be true and we make it our identities. So for me, when I was in college, I absorbed this external programming, this identity of I need to work really hard because my parents are immigrants. They were both very poor in Vietnam and they didn't have you know a lot to live on and had really big families as well. And wow, like now they went through so much to get me, um, to, to give birth to me over here in America and I have to give back to them. And so I grew up with that type of mentality. So it added a lot of pressure on me on a very early age that I didn't know was pressure. I just thought it was the right thing to do. And so when I was in my early college years, Uh, There were a multiple series of events that were very painful that happened around all at the same time. Um, You know, my dad had left the family uh, and I'm very close to my dad. So it was very heartbreaking how 
the dynamics between him and my mom led, led for that to happen. And, uh, my cousin Lena, who I'm the closest to passed away from leukemia. And at that time I was in a long-term relationship and that ended as well. And so I just felt like I gave so much of myself to the outer world. And then when it came down to it, I felt like I had nothing and nobody, everyone just left. And, um, it brought me down this, this road of deep depression to where I thought that the only way that I would get out of feeling this pain that I eventually got addicted to feeling was to take my own life. And it was through that journey that I became awakened to a higher sense of consciousness and that there actually is so much more to life than what meets the eye. And that, you know, 99% of the world are full of things that we actually don't see that's controlling the way that we lead our lives versus what we do see. And so I started to shift my entire perspective of not just seeing what was physical in front of me uh, and, and making that be true. For example, I gained 40 pounds, 40 extra pounds on my body. My dad left, you know, those are all physical things that were happening in front of me that I deemed to, to be true. And I adopted this identity of a depressed person that was also a rock star hustler and got so many things done at the same time versus recognizing that there's so much in the unseen world, like the fact that we are also one with the divine and, and just exploring even more of what that means. So that's where my, my journey eventually led me uh, to become a meditation teacher. And, you know, I went from thinking that I would be this badass rock star rocking, you know, hot pink suits in New York city, doing public relations to, you know, being barefooted most of the time, still working with a uh, high achieving people. But now I'm on the opposite spectrum where, um, I work in wellness and, and I guide people back to their truth and back to their center. Wow. Incredible. What, a, what a journey. Um, okay. So it's safe to say that you didn't plan originally for it to, to be, um, a meditation teacher or to, you know, be studying consciousness or any, any of this sort of stuff. No, not at all. You know, if I, you know, it's interesting. I, I would invite everyone to do this. If you look at what you're doing right now, and then you look back in the earlier years of your life, you'll be able to you'll be able to observe yourself. Like I call it time traveling where you time travel back to your past and you just watch it like a movie. You can observe yourself doing things where you're like, okay, I see where what I'm doing right now completely makes sense. And it all lines up, you know? Um, but, uh, now when I look at it, I can see where it does line up. But at the time I never consciously said to myself that one day I'm going to be a meditation teacher. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So far removed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it's so crazy. Cause, uh, so I resonate with a lot of what you said. I actually had, um, my own version of, I mean, I mean, at the time I would call it an ego death. And then after a while, I think I referred to it as a spiritual awakening. Um, yes. and then after, you know, it's, it, it almost seems like this, this, you know, three year long mushroom trip or something that I'm finally kind of coming out of. And so I'm, I'm doing the, the journaling now, you know, I'm like, okay, what did I actually learn? I'm not experiencing the craziness of it. Um, and it's, it's so interesting. I mean, it's something that really fascinates me, this spiritual awakening, um, this are like, not just learning about the egos, but, um, going from what I would call an ego death. And then after a while, I'm like, oh, okay, so I understand the ego a little bit differently. What is the ego? When did it come about? Um, why would I want to kill it? What does that mean to kill it? Um, and then after a while, I, I have this uh, 
I, I like to write a lot of music and I have this line that's the ego don't like change or grit, but loves to feel withhold. Mm. And, and, and I, right. Like, uh, it, I don't know. It, it, so, so the progression of like learning about your ego and what it is and learning about your awareness and your perception and your sense of self and your, um, who you are and what your purpose is, if there's such a thing, uh, how to, how to gain meaning from our, our path. You know, this was so, so new to me. So like, I would have never thought about these things when I was younger, you know, ages, you know, y- y- young kid to, you know, my early twenties, I, I like, I would have kind of just jokingly not taken these things seriously. It was just in the realm of religion, which I'm like, I'm not a religious person. So like, cool, be you, whatever. I don't care, but it's just not for me. Um, so, so what is it? So, so you went through a similar experience. Um, like what, what do you, so, so what is the spiritual awakening? How about that? Let, let's start with that. I mean, if we could just do a, a broad brushstroke blanket statement, and then you maybe explain how yours was. Yeah, a spiritual awakening is waking up to your spiritual nature. Uh, we are humans. We're having a human experience, but we're spirits. So we're spirits having a human experience. And we're here to have the human experience. We're not here to learn how to be spiritual. We're here to learn how to be human. And that's really the journey of our lives. And so a lot of times when people go through these spiritual awakening, you know, you, some people, you know, they get deep into a conspiracy realm. And then I think there's like stages to this. You get really deep into conspiracy realm. You start kind of questioning everything around you. You get really deep into, you know, some people go to like different types of plant medicines and and things like that. But, you know, ultimately I talk about grounded spirituality because groundedness is grounded. Spirituality is recognizing that you are a spirit having a human experience and you are here to learn and practice how to be human. And so if you can wake up to your spiritual nature, it's going to guide you a lot easier. You're going to be guided in a way where you don't feel so overwhelmed and confused and lost all the time because you're being one with the divine. You're being one with your higher self. Whereas if you weren't awakened to your spiritual nature, you think that you are only human. And when you think that you're only human, you think that you are subject to pain. You are subject to, um, you know, dis-ease. And this is how your life is going to be. So for example, when I had depression, I just thought that this was how my life was going to be. At that time, I adopted this victim consciousness where so much of the way that I was thinking was coming from the unconscious portion of my mind. I believed that I was going to feel this way forever to such a degree that I thought that the only thing that would take this pain away was if I took my own life. Right. And, and so when you understand that you are a spirit having a human experience, you recognize that, yes, I am this human. Um, I identify as, you know, you know, Jake, the podcast host or Sandy, the meditation teacher. However, I'm also having, uh, I'm also a spirit as well. I'm beyond what just what my body is. I'm beyond my mind. I'm beyond my thoughts. So if I were to put that in a blanket statement, that's what I would say a spiritual awakening is it's waking up to your true nature and, and just allowing all the things that aren't not you to fall away. Wow. 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 Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I see. And I don't know, I mean, perhaps you see this too. Um, maybe it's just because I'm looking for like-mindedness in a sense. I think about the internet and I think about YouTube and I think about um, audiobooks now, even like just how quickly are, you know, are how quickly what we are humans have been able to experience all this spiritual growth because of technology. Like the fact that I'm able to, while I'm, you know, 
vacuuming and doing laundry, I can be listening to Ramdas in my ear and then it's going to suggest me another one. And, you know, like if, if like my algorithms <laughs> know me so well on YouTube, it's just like it feeds me so much great spiritual stuff. But I, I also see um, other friends who who do take it uh, like more of a deep dive more, you know, more, let, let's say more down to um, like star seeds and, um, right. um, uh, you know, like, like re- really identifying with, with empaths and stuff. And, um, and I'm not saying there's anything, anything wrong with this at all. I feel like it's all kind of a, a doorway to the same thing. Um, but, but so, so I do find it very interesting what the internet is doing for us. Like how many people are being, let's say awakened or finding some sort of spiritual journey or some sort of, um, you know, narrowing of path because of the internet, because of technology, which makes me think that it's, you know, the, the way that everything is, you know, the Tao of things, it makes you think, oh, okay, we're supposed to have technology then, or it's, I, I, I don't know. So what do, what do you think about um, the state of technology now and like how many people are coming to realize some sort of inner being within themselves because of it? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think that when it comes to our technologies, one of the things that you pointed out is it's great and that we're able to be based on what our algorithms are, we're able to be fed information that's like minded. So if you watch a video of from dust, you might also be fed like Alan Watts and you might, you know, and, and you might just go through a playlist of like minded stuff. Um, but then the contrary is also true. If you're watching videos that's related to um, a lot of the things that is being fed by media, then you're going to receive that as well. So I think when it comes to technologies, remembering that you also have an inner technology as well is what's mm. going to help you to use the outer technology, right? Like it's when we think that it's only this outer technology that, that does it. Um, that's going to connect us is when we lose sight of our own internal technology. So what's our internal technology? Um, It's our consciousness. It's our heart. It's our bodies. It's learning how to trust our own intuitive wisdom. When we can learn our own internal technologies and sharpen those skills, we're going to be able we're going to be better able to use our external technologies and we're going to have a lot more discernment in what information we're feeding ourselves and, and all of that. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it certainly kind of does. The way that I ask questions is awfully a bit of a, a rambling statement that I trail off into. So whatever you can pick up on, I'm, I'm appreciative of. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it's, it's just, it's just very interesting to me to look at the different stages of my life. Like, before I really thought of anything spiritual, like the, the way that I just never really, I, like I never disliked it. I never um, thought that it was, you know, completely wrong. I feel like I was like a casual atheist maybe, but I just never really contemplated it very much. So who I was for that many years of my life and then for the few years of my life where I discovered it and I had awakened this thing within me, you know, I felt like I was connecting with my soul. I started understanding what that meant. I had a lot of, um, I was doing a lot of like kundalini yoga. I had a lot of like crazy weird experiences. I did a lot of um, hypnosis and uh, healing of childhood trauma and, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I was spending a lot of time with myself, meditating for long periods of time. It was just wonderful, um, wonderful couple of years of my life and I'm very grateful for it. But as I'm like coming out of it now, you know, I'm coming into this third stage of kind of taking a little bit of both, you know, like your, yeah. your remember your, your Buddha nature and your social security number, you know, and it does feel like this, <laughs> Like I'm coming back into this stream and I, I'm, I have less anxiety and I'm trying less, but things are still working out okay. And oh, yeah. my perception of reality is, is a lot 
I'm not gripping it as much. I'm just kind of allowing. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just, I, I am still experiencing it. I'm still going, going through the whole thing. You know, I think, you know, we all are of course experiencing, um, our stages of, of, uh, you know, being spiritual, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's it, it is very fascinating. So, so for you, um, cause you got led there through, you know, no depression. And so maybe, do you think that your identity for you was kind of in your, your view of your own identity was incorrect? Because I think that's a lot of what of our, our quarrels of today come from is, um, uh, we, we see ourselves as what we really aren't. You know, we, we, we box ourselves in with our identity. We're like, I am this, or you are, you're a, a liberal or you're, you're a Republican or you're this or that. And I think that when we can let go of a lot of our identities is, it seems to where life gets a little bit easier, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So, so what do, what do you think about identity in this? Like how has your identity and your perception of not only your identity, but other people's identities shifted from before than who, who you are now? Yeah. So, when it comes to identity, we see ourselves as what we think, not as who we are. And there's a really big difference with that, seeing ourselves as what we think versus who we really are. So when we talk about identity or when we talk about ego, um, in Sanskrit, it's called ahamkara and it stands for the eye maker. So ego is the eye maker. So a lot of times when we hear the word ego, we think of, oh, like you're such a cocky, you know, you're so cocky or you're so conceited or whatever. And we think of, oh, that, that person has a big ego, right? That's how we use it in our mainstream culture. But the ego is really what I identify myself with. So, um, and that's called the eye maker. It's what makes up your personality. And so the ego is, um, things that you identify with in terms of your, so, um, your social status, in terms of your economical status, your financial status, in terms of, uh, your, your, um, roles or your titles, or your positions in the world, uh, all of this makes up your ego and a large portion of your ego is also through external programming. So when I talk about external programming, what I mean is from the a young age, from when we were little babies, when we were first born, it's like we had camera recorders that we had on our eyes and we would record everything that was happening around us. And based on what was happening around us, we absorbed it into our minds and we took it to be true. So, you know, if for example, uh, my future mom-in-law, she hates coffee. So she wakes up every morning and she drinks coffee. But every time she drinks it, she's like, Ugh, like, I hate this coffee. It's so disgusting. And she just freaks out drinking it. So I'm like, so why do you drink it? Like, did your mom drink coffee? And she said, yeah, every morning, every morning I'd wake up to the smell of coffee and I just watch her drink it. So un unconsciously she's drinking coffee every morning because she watched her mom do it every morning. Mm -hmm. But you see like when, when we're not aware of what we identify with, we actually absorb it into our human experience and our lived experience to be true. So for me, I identified with um, just being a, a, a student, being an overachiever, being a big role model to my younger siblings and being the first person in my family to, you know, go to college and graduate and all of that, I, I identified largely with that. And so when I was experiencing depression and all these things were happening in my life, despite what was happening, I still forced that identity. And that's exactly what 
caused me to just lose my mind at towards the end of it. You know, I went through this one period. Um, it was my junior year in college where I uh, competed in bodybuilding because I was like, okay, I've gained so much weight at this point. Let me do something to, to be healthy. So I did the opposite and I went to a new extreme. So I competed in bodybuilding. I um, started an online wellness business at that time. Um, I uh, also was struggling three different jobs at that time. And I was, I founded this board to, you know, help serve other people. I did all these things in a short abbreviated period of time. And, you know, pressure might work to create diamonds, but constant applied pressure on a human being is going to completely burn that person out. And so because I identified with being this high achiever and um, being a, a great role model to my younger siblings and really just like being the person that breaks through the um, this this sense of uh, scarcity that you feel when you come from being an immigrant to coming to America, I, uh, I burned out and I didn't have anything left to me. So what we identify with is really, really powerful. And the other thing that I want to note here um, to something that you said earlier, Jake, is something about killing the ego, right? We, I think sometimes in the mainstream self-help culture, we talk about um, the ego as if it's a really bad thing, but the truth is we actually need our ego. Like if you didn't have your ego, Jake, you wouldn't have a personality. You wouldn't have all these lived experiences that matter to you, that make you who you are today. And we wouldn't even be able to have this highly engaging conversation and vice versa, right? And so your ego is necessary. It's part of your path. The problem is when you don't know how to befriend the ego, or you don't know how to offer it the types of internal technologies that it needs in order to thrive. That's when the ego starts believing more information from the unconscious part of the mind versus the conscious part of the mind or the super conscious part of the mind. So it's one of the things that I talk about is the three levels of consciousness. So the unconscious part of the mind makes up 98% of the way that we think it's our, it's our past traumas. It's our um, limiting beliefs. It's our learned behaviors. That's our unconscious mind. The conscious part of the mind is 2% of our mind. And it's what we're presently aware of right now. So if that's 98% of our mind, the unconscious and then our ego is majorly going to come from the unconscious part of the mind. So really our work in the spiritual journey is to undo what's in the unconscious mind, bring it to the conscious so that we can have a present experience. And that's what a lot of the work that Ram Das or, you know, Alan Watts, I, I, I love the two of them because their views on spirituality is very grounding. It's not you know, I think there's a place for talking about star seeds and galaxies and, and other beings like aliens. And, and there's, there's a place for all of that. And so the people who are um, on that journey, um, you know, they, they teach completely different things for, for me, however, and what I like to teach and understand is how can I incorporate spirituality with my human experience? Because I'm here to have a lived experience. I'm not here to be somewhere else that I'm not. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about, yeah, we, we all kind of all these different views of, you know, whether we think it's uh, star seeds or we're listening to Ram Dass or we're into philosophy or we're into somehow we find it through science and quantum physics or um, all these different path religions. Um, they're all kind of pointing to the same thing. I, I think yes. about 
I have one one of my one of my um, friends. She's uh, she she does identify as as a starseed in, in this mm-hmm. whole thing, and I don't understand it completely. Um, but when she speaks about it, and when we talk about these sorts of things, the whole time inside, I'm like, yeah, totally. I, I get yeah. you. I understand what yeah. you're saying. Like it's it, I, I'm never. I think often we get caught up in trying to like, what's the capital T truth? Because we can't speak about anything other than that. It's like we're we're just we're pointing to things within our inner experience that like. If you can just look past the words and understand what they're really saying, we can really connect with one another. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing. And that's why I honor each and every person. I say that everybody here, there's nothing to compare to. Everybody here is a unique expression of the divine. So without that person that focuses on, you know, star seeds or Palladians or past life, Lemuria, you know, Aquarius things without that person or without the person that's talking about grounded spirituality, there's there's going to be a missing element to how we evolve human consciousness right and so we need all those different elements we we are all unique expressions of the divine so for example you know if you're buying a house you can't close on your property without you know if you were borrowing money you would need the mortgage lender and you would need to have um, an attorney read over your documents and the realtor like everybody is playing their part in order for you to close on this house for example mm-hmm. um, I know like housing and everything is super popular right now so I'm using that example um, so everybody needs to be able to play their role and do it really well in order for the final outcome to be achieved so the way that I look at it is that um, the the the, the goal of life is just to experience um, God within ourselves and, and evolve humanity and consciousness in that way. And we do that by each having our own different expressions. And so God plays hide and go seek through each and every person. And it's up to you to be able to have the lens and the perception to see that in people. And that's why when I come across you know, my cashier, a cashier, or, you know, a man that's playing music in the parking lot to raise money for um, paying hospital bills because his wife has cancer or a homeless person sitting on the street or a janitor. I see them in a completely different light than what their identity is. And because of that, I've received so much value in my life from interacting with people and seeing them as that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, before you kind of were in touch with your more spiritual side, did you have a different perspective in those same situations? So like if you saw a a homeless person, would you, would you think of them maybe with more, um, maybe like unconscious pity or indifference or maybe judgment? I'm not sure if you did, but yeah, I said no at first, but I do remember a, a pivotal moment. And I remember it very clearly that changed my my whole perspective when I was young before I had a more spiritual perspective. So when I was around 12 years old, it was a really cold um, winter day. And this is in Massachusetts. My cousin was driving a, a really small, um, it's, it's like one of those race cars, those two-door cars. And the two of them were in the front and they're very tiny. Uh, and um, the four of us were in the back. And we drove by Main Street and there was this woman wearing um, a really like she was wearing a skirt and tall boots, like long boots. And she had her, you know, her thighs, skin showing. And and I judged her and I called her a oh, like, look at that prostitute over there with that guy, you know, like. Um, why would she be, why would she be wearing that, you know, like when it's so cold outside and everything. So I judged her and that's just from my learned environment. And so we drive up this hill and now we're stuck 
And now my two cousins in the front, like they're both super tiny, like we're all super tiny and we're like trying to push it and, you know, a car's not budging. So we're just trapped at this point and it's freezing cold. And before you know it, the woman that I judge with the boots and, you know, the heels and everything and her man were the two people that came up and helped us push the car and was so sweet and so kind and so compassionate. And if it wasn't for them, we would have been stranded there. And I learned, like I cried because I felt so bad that I judged this other person and I will never forget that day. I I will never forget what she taught me in that moment. Mm. So from that experience, I learned not to judge people. And I learned to um, approach people with compassion and kindness, because if it was true that she was a prostitute, if it wasn't, that's none of my business. Like her, what she identifies with is none of my business, but who she is as a human being and that sense of love and happiness that we are all endowed with that's deep within us is there. And again, like, like God is there, right? So who am I to judge her? And so from that experience, every homeless person that I encountered, I approached with a place of love. I I literally would just go, um, I would buy them something to eat. I would sit down with them and I would have a conversation. And through those experiences, I learned so much. And when I was actually going through my years of depression, I felt like the people who were homeless understood me the most. I found, I found this sense of, um, understanding and this sense of togetherness in homeless people versus the friends and the people who are around me. Wow. 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 That's awesome. Yes. Uh, again with Ram Dass, uh, how is this also just God dressed in drag? You know, he, he would often say stuff like that. Um, uh. l- learning that someone that was annoying him is actually just God dressed in drag. <laughs> um, I like that. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that so, isn't that so yeah, great? Because when we, good. you know, we, when we, you know, maybe it's because we're caught in our identities. And so we're seeing our other people's identities in contrast to who we think we are. So we're like reaffirming our identity. Oh, I'm this person. I know that because they're that person. You know, it, it helps us make feel feel safe in our own selves. But you know, it's an uh, interesting little little bit of um, karmic learning that that may have been happening to you there, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because we it's again, you know, we, we meet each other on the wrong levels so often. And we see that a lot in the, in the media, in the news and all these things. We meet each other. We say, you're this and I'm that, and we don't get along, whatever. But we, like, if, if you, I, I'd imagine now, um, when you would first see someone say they're dressed in the same exact outfit, like tomorrow, if you're walking around, you see someone dressed in the same outfit, you're not even probably going to consciously think like, Oh, that's a, that's a prostitute or that's, Oh, I would have thought you probably would have just if you have an interaction with them, you're just going to be present and you're just going to be with them exactly. and whenever they have to offer what not offer you as if you're um, taking something, but, but whatever they show up as is who you, who you get to interact with, you know, like, so if you're polite to someone, they're often polite back, you know, but if you yeah. assume that someone is this other thing, you might accidentally come off, come off at them. You know, like if you're treating someone like a prostitute, maybe they're going to respond like a prostitute. Exactly. And it's unconscious and you're not aware of it. So today, you know, my, I think my fiance gets to see it the most because he spends the most time around me, but I'll like the, the other day we got groceries and the guy that was bagging our stuff and checked us out, like he ran to the, um, the front of Trader Joe's where all the flowers were. And he gave me flowers like before I left. And yeah. I just have things like that happen often yeah. because of just the, the interactions that, and I'm not trying, that's the thing is when you're just 
present and you're yourself and you don't have to try, you don't have to try to give value. You don't have to try to make someone's day just by you being you, people feel that and they experience it. And along the other lines of what you were saying, um, I think that approaching people from a place of giving them your present attention and awareness versus judgment although the mind is made to judge, right? So like, don't judge yourself for judging if you're judging, because like, that's this what too, the mind does. Yeah. That's literally what the mind does, but, but be aware of it because when you're aware of it, you can see how you're approaching people and situations. The thing I want to say about this is this is more important now than ever, because what I'm witnessing in the landscape that we're living in right now is that there is a constant, it's it's like a constant injection of fear from things that we're absorbing from the media, right? So whether it's politics, like if you're a Republican or, or I'm Democratic or vice versa, or if you got vaccinated or I didn't, or if somebody, um, you know, believes in wearing masks or somebody doesn't, what I'm noticing is there's so much divide and separation based on these judgments. And we're, we're, we're almost getting to a place where we're losing sight of human connection and being present with each other without these other labels that are there. And it's making us sicker because when we don't have human connection, when we don't feel connected to ourselves, when our mind is so focused on trying to be right and trying to impose what we believe on other people, we are literally extracting ourselves from being present within our own bodies and having a more present experience. And I would say the greatest gift of life is to be present, to actually receive what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. And so I don't invite anybody listening to this. You know, if you feel like, you know, you're coming from a really good place and you want to save the people around you, for example, again, I think a lot of us come from a place of great intentions, right? When it comes to um, all these labels. Um, but the best thing that you can do is to do what works for you and what serves you and to offer compassion and understanding to the people around you. And when you do this, you get to learn from the other person. They get to learn from you and we evolve as humanity versus, you know, if you don't believe this, then, you know, you suck and you're going to die. You know, it's, it's such a completely different energy. How do we evolve in that way? Yeah. 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 Sandy, your, your speaking is poetry. Uh, you're saying so many, like your sentences are just following each other so well. I'm just like, yep. Mm -hmm, heck yeah, yeah. Heck yeah, sister. I'm like, <laughs> I'm loving it. Um, great, great fire stuff. Okay. So how do we become aware? This is the biggest thing, right? Um, you're a meditation teacher. And I think that's really the essence of, of meditation as I study it um, a bit more in my own practice and, and learn about the different types. Uh, my definition of, of meditation, I feel like kind of changes. So um, I think that that's what, probably one of the bigger things of meditation is, is becoming aware. And then after some time, you start to form like a natural distance with the awareness from, from your actions or, or the observation of your thoughts. So in your, um, in your world as, as a meditation teacher, like, like what, what, so, so what, what type of meditation do you typically teach? And then how would you, someone who doesn't meditate or they don't really, maybe they, this intrigues them, but they haven't really experienced much meditation or gaining awareness or being able to see when they may be unconsciously judging someone. What's the introduction to that? Like, how do you normally kind of explain that? Yeah. So just to speak to what's present right now, I would say that um, the way that we would become more present or more aware of ourselves is by reconnecting back with our bodies. 
uh, I think that that conversation is so much more important to have. And it's not, it's contrary to what you think meditation is. So typically when people think of meditation, they think, you know, you sit down, you close your eyes and then you focus your thoughts or you don't think at all, right? Just like get rid of your thoughts, right? Turn them off, off, right? Um, But just like your heart is beating involuntarily, just like when you eat food, your stomach breaks down all your food for you, right? Like your brain is here to think it's here to make judgments in, in order for you, you know, if you didn't make a judgment, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Right. Because you had to make a judgment on whether or not you want certain people on your podcast or not and vice versa. Right. And so our brains are here to help us and, and we need our brains to make judgments. However, it's not about the thinking it's about getting back in touch with your body and uh so the meditation that i teach um i call it shanta real meditation and it's a body of wisdom that i've developed over the past nine years from learning this work um, i learned meditation through my teacher who is leonard perlmutter and he studied from a uh, a teacher he's a disciple of swami rama who was the first one of the first yogis to come over from india to america and he had scientists put EKGs all over his body in order to see or, or believe that he can actually control his internal pressure, temperature, and everything, his heart rate, his heartbeat, he can turn it off, he can turn it on. And so they did that and they were able to recognize that, wait a second, um, this yogi is proving to us the opposite of what we think is true. This yogi is showing us that it's actually true that the mind and the body are connected as one. Whereas in um, the Western world, we see it as two completely separate things, which is why oftentimes when we go and we see doctors, it's it's mostly focused on um, finding resolves to the symptom versus seeing the holistic picture, right? And so um, that was who my teacher studied from. And then he initiated me into this tradition. And so um, this meditation tradition is very, it's, it's yoga science. It's very much focused on how do you uh, integrate being a human while also having the spiritual experience at the same time. And so there's breathing practices that we learn in order to become one with the divine. And that's called yoga science. Yoga stands for union. And all of life is really this science experiment. Like I, if more people recognize our life as an experiment, mm-hmm. we would just have no pressure. Like we would just say, it's just an experiment, It'd right? So like fun. I'm going to try it. It would be so fun. Exactly. So I'm going to try this. And if it works for me, great. Like I'm going to eat, you know, this cheesecake, if it works for me, great. But if I feel bad, I'm not going to eat it again. Right. <laughs> so it's this big experiment. So I studied from my teacher and through my studies with my teacher, I was able to go into deeper practices within myself. And that's when I, I came up with a body of wisdom called Shanta Royale, which stands for the Royal path of peace. So when I was initiated in the, into this tradition, my um, teacher gifted me the name Shanta, which stands for peace. And then um, when I started to create Shanta Royale meditation, you know, the intention of that is to answer this question of, you know, does one have to be a monk in order to meditate or uh, can we be bill payers, householders, have kids and, and, you know, be multimillionaires and still be able to experience a sense of peace. Because when you're on this path of spirituality, you constantly think you have to give 
and sacrifice one thing for another. And you don't think that you're actually allowed to have this human experience, I find. And so um, the meditation I teach is all about reintegrating yourself back into this human experience and being very grounded. So one of the first things that we do is learning how to reconnect with your body you know, we've been so far removed from our bodies, even to this day, we're constantly, you know, on our phones, which take us literally out of our bodies. I, I, I want more people to pay attention to this, pay attention to if you're breathing fully when you're on your phone, or are you just holding your breath? Or are you just breathing from your chest? right? When we were babies, we would breathe from our diaphragms. We would inhale deeply and exhale. If you have babies, watch the way that your baby breathes, because that's how you were breathing. You were able to self-regulate as a baby. However, when we got older and the more that we inundate ourselves with these external devices without being in tuned with our internal technologies. Now what we're doing is we're being more further removed from our bodies. We're not even paying attention to how the breath is going into our bodies and we're cutting our, the oxygen that comes into the cells really short. And so part of it is learning how to slow down learning how to create a lifestyle around what your core values are and what's important to you and setting healthy boundaries. So that's one of the main things that I teach, like super beginner level, set healthy boundaries, learn how to have tough conversations. Because if you keep saying yes to things in your life, when your whole body is just like, it's hurting, it's saying, no, I don't want to do this. And you do that over again and again and again, when you go and you sit down in your meditation, you're not going to be able to go there. You're not going to be able to experience that sense of peace that you want because your body is so high on adrenaline and it's so burnt out that that level of um, intention that is required for you to be in a more focused space, it's not going to be there. So before I get into any of that, you know, I teach people how to move their bodies and how to get comfortable with their bodies so they can feel safe in their bodies. And then mm. we go into the, the meditation, but that's all part of meditation in itself. Yeah. Yeah. So do you find for me, uh, I was often, I was a, a body, well, I wasn't competing or anything, but I enjoyed bodybuilding. I was, I liked being big. I liked lifting heavy weights, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then now I, I, I mean, I always liked running, but I like running a lot now. I love doing a lot of yoga. Um, I'm not caring about as much what my physique physique looks like, but more how I feel. Um, and, and the difference from that is just, just so profound. Did you have anything like that from when you were bodybuilding versus kind of your, do you do yoga or any of that sort of stuff now? I do, but I don't do yoga. Like I don't do the asana practices and things like that, that you learn in a regular yoga class. I like mm -hmm. Qigong and I do, um, I do movements where it's, um, I'm twisting the body in a way where it's massaging my lymphatic system. And it's like, it's building muscle at the same time because it's really natural strong movements. But yeah, that transition was interesting for me to go from lifting heavy weights to, you know, not doing that all. I don't, I don't even go to the gym. I do a lot of practices where it's just with my own body. And I've been the same weight, you know, since, whereas when I was bodybuilding, I would fluctuate up and down and I would just either feel so insecure that I was going up or down. It was just too much. And mm. so now what I find is I'm, I say self-care is being self-aware. So I'm just aware of what my body needs and, and I do it and I just listen to it. And then it tells me, you know, what practices to do or um, what's going to feel good. 
but yeah, I haven't done that hardcore bodybuilding type of workout in a really long time. I like, I do love running. I love, um, Qigong, um, which is a very ancient movement practice as well that strengthens your body up from the inside out. And, um, I love short bursts of, of, um, movements as well. Um, interval training. So short interval trainings, but mostly just free weights, free body movements. Yeah, heck yeah. I'm I'm a lot with you there. I've been um I I've had a gym membership for the last couple of months and I'll kind of go a couple of times a week. Mm-hmm. Um but it's not incredibly tough. It's nothing like I used to lift, you know. It's just I'm just trying to feel good. I'm trying to feel like my posture is supported. Yes. Um you know, and, and then I'll hit the sauna afterwards at the gym too. That's always yes. feeling I feel really um you know, I, I try to meditate in there as often as I can, just try to focus on the breath, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and that, that gets you that gets you pretty dang grounded. Yeah, because we we really don't notice how far off base we get when, when we're off base, you know, it's like if we could snap our fingers and feel instantly, like just for five seconds, okay, here's how I feel hungover for five seconds, feeling hungover. And then right back to how you are, you'd be like, Oh my God, I'm never drinking again. Yeah, you notice the, so the contrast of it, you know? Um, and, and we, I think we do the same thing when it comes to our phones, you know, it makes sense while we're in it. And yeah, we, we think we, we had the, the free will to pick up our, our phone and, you know, scroll through this thing. And now we're mad. Like we want to be mad. We, we made the choice to choose this thing. So it's mad. So, so it seems justified. Um, but we, we kind of disconnect from the fact that these companies have studied humans. They know all about our brains and how they work. And the goal is to keep us on the platform, right? And so the things that we're reading on our phones and on our social media feeds um, are designed to keep our attention, but it, it you know, in it, it, it I don't know, purposely or maybe inadvertently also affects our bodily functions. You know, it activates our brainstem and it makes us in the fear response. And think about, um, I read this book, I mentioned on a podcast a couple days ago too, but the Z technique or the Ziva meditation by Emily Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she kind of described it. I think it's been said before, but she kind of describes, you know, do you think your toenails are growing when you're running from a lion? Like, do you, or do you think your body is prioritizing, okay, let's send blood to these, these locations so we can empower our limbs to get away from this lion. You know, if, if you're in a fear response where you need to keep yourself safe, not your whole internal system isn't working how it should be. So you're not prioritizing um, digestion, you know, like our food system is so complicated and, and crappy in so many ways. Like we need all of the focus on our digestive system that we can get. But if we're here fighting with someone who, um, you know, loves the opposite president that we like it's going to put us in this fear response and then our internal system is not working at an optimal level and if you're doing that eight hours a day you just put a big hinge on your health so yeah Mm, i think it's people i'm always trying to point to like the like hey don't you see that don't you see that like isn't that important like don't you see how they're kind of tricking you you know how the how the the systems of capitalism are kind of like hurting you even though you think that it's bringing you joy and entertainment yeah. 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 You know, I go through, I go through that, that kind of like toggle sometimes because I actually, when I started to learn meditation, I shut down all of my social media channels for a whole year and it was, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was so amazing. It was like it is, deep focus, like, yeah. right. Like it's deep focus, deep presentness. Even if you have good boundaries with your phone, I've gotten to a place where I definitely have great boundaries with my phone. I use it for a lot of things with my business and just sharing some of these messages. Right. But even then the fact that it's just there, you know, it's like calling for your, for your attention. So sometimes I toggle back and forth between not having a social media at all because of I'm so committed 
committed to the work that I'm doing that, you know, maybe that's an, another experiment that I should have, um, you know, down, down the road and maybe I will I'm not attached to it, but yeah, I think it's about learning how do you navigate because whether we like it or not, these technologies are are going to be here and they're going to continue to advance faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. At the same token, our consciousness is also going to advance faster and faster and faster. So it's really just about learning how to use it without letting it use you. And that's really where that fine line is and, and where it gets it's, it gets hard sometimes. It gets a little um, smoky. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. That's a, that's a fire way of putting it too. like not letting the technology use you, but learning how mm-hmm. to use it. You know, um, it's, right. it's a tool. It doesn't have to be a, a mind control object. Um, yeah. but, uh, uh, so, so you've mentioned a couple of times, um, boundaries and I would love to, it, it's, it's fresh in my mind yesterday. Um, I was talking with a coworker, um, and he's such an awesome guy. He's like just very, um, empathetic, very kind, very oh. sweet, very open. Um, and we, so I don't remember how we kind of got on the conversation, but, uh, He's basically saying like, you know, he, he recognizes, hey, you know, it's kind of jaded, but at this point in my life, I kind of recognize um, when people are going to be like, like, I don't want them to use me. Like, I'm so nice. I'm so open. I don't want them to take from me because sometimes you'll have people like, you know, hey, oh, 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 hey, you need a ride, man. Like, no, no problem. I got you. But then all of a sudden you're giving them a ride Monday through Friday. You know, you know th- those sorts of things. So, so he's, he, he was kind of just mentioning um, that he, he's trying to learn the difference between um, we were kind of talking the difference between boundaries and barriers and kind of how you can be open and loving and be accepting and like allow what's going to happen, but also know when it's okay to like, all right, let's, let's, let's put our, let's put our foot down. Like let's, uh, let's, let's have this boundary. So can you speak a little bit more on, on boundaries, maybe boundaries versus, versus barriers, if you use that terminology at all? Yeah, I'll talk about, I'll I'll talk about boundaries. I don't use that, that terminology a lot, but I have heard of it. So when it comes to boundaries and the way that I see it, uh, it's about getting really clear about what your core values are and what matters to you. When you get clear about what your core values are, what you'll begin to see even more clearly, what universe and God will show you is what is not important to you and what you're making a really big deal out of that doesn't line up or areas where you're seeking for other people's approval, which is why you extend yourself and you extend yourself. I think a lot of us, because we have grown up through um, patriarchal programming, where a lot of the information that we learned is rooted in capitalism, like you talked about, uh, we, we feel like in order to get somewhere in society, we have to deliver a lot of value in order to receive a certain something in return. So like, if you go back to school, you know, you go to school, you start school when the bell rings, ding, 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 like start school. And then the bell rings again, you go into second period, third period, fourth, right. And then, um, you, it's like constant reiteration of, of how we're supposed to be learning. Like you show up, you do the work and then you move on to a higher grade. Now you're going to reach another level. Same thing. Like when you're, you know, in, in, when you're done with high school, you get your graduation certificate. You know, if you do bad on a piece of paper, you get an F. So we have literally been trained through these systems in order to 
um, learn how to deliver a ton of value, aka do really good work. Otherwise, we're not going to be of importance to the people around us. Mm-hmm. So we have to first understand that this is rooted deeply in in our in our wiring, and part of this is being able to recognize that and giving ourselves a lot of grace and compassion as to why we constantly extend ourselves or we say yes to people when we really mean no, or we have a hard time just setting our boundaries. So that's the first thing, and then the second thing with boundaries is now like now that you're aware of that notice what really is important in your life what are the things that you're naturally drawn to what are your core values what's more important to you than money and why if you answer that question you know you might you might say happiness you might say health you might say joy right those are your core values now look at all the areas in your life where you're saying yes to something when it's really not lining up with those core values for example if you had you know negative Nancy, you know, calls you every Sunday to complain about the same things again and again and again, and you entertain it every time, even though after that one hour conversation, your energy is just completely drained, Mm -hmm. right? But you don't know how to say no. Um, Does that line up with your core value of happiness or health or joy? The answer is no. So if the answer is no, why are you entertaining this? Actually allow yourself to sit in that for a little bit. Where is that coming from, right? When we do this type of work, what we're actually doing is we're giving ourselves the, the, the ability to reprogram the decisions that we're making and where they're coming from. So maybe if you look at this a little bit more, um, maybe it was from when you were 10 years old, you know, um, you got made fun of because you were, um, you, you weren't talking like most of the times when everybody else was talking. So now you always feel like you have to have something to say and you have to entertain every conversation that's coming your way, mm-hmm. right? So like when you give yourself space to do this, you're actually going to be really clear around why you entertain those things and why you don't set boundaries. It's going to be easier for you to set those boundaries and you're not going to feel that sense of guilt or shame that comes with setting boundaries. So a lot of times when I'm teaching people how to set boundaries or how to have tough conversations, there's always a sense of like fear that comes up because they think they're going to hurt the other person's feelings. But what happens is when you get really clear on where this came from, you can communicate to people from a place of love. Like, you know, Hey, Nancy, I understand that you're going through a lot in your life right now, but like these right now, I'm really focused on X, Y, Z, and it's really important to me. And I also want to be able to give you my attention. However, now's not the time. Like, does, does this time work for you instead? And when we talk, let's focus on X, Y, Z instead, or can we talk about this instead? Mm. Or even just being honest with people. I think that when we set boundaries, we're giving ourselves and that person an opportunity to be honest, to say, Hey, like we've been talking about the same thing every single week. And it seems like it's not getting you anywhere. How else do you think I can support you? Right. Mm. Um, and, and just being clear with people, because most people that cross your boundaries don't know that they're actually crossing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I uh, I think of a I, I had a person in my life who at some point I kind of had to set some boundaries and basically, hey, I, I don't want to talk about this negative stuff all the time. Like you don't seem to really listen. You know, you come to me seems like solutions, but when we try to talk through it or I try to give you a different lens, it doesn't seem like you're listening. And um, so essentially, the it, it kind of turned into it was a little bit of a kind of a, a tense conversation at that moment. But then I did notice o- over the course of the weeks when I would talk to this person, um, they seemed to be a little more reciprocating to to listening to what I had to say or trying to be positive or trying to not just end with, uh, and here's all this thing I'm putting on you, but they were trying to 
flip a sort of positive lens on it, you know, and, and not that I was just trying to like, Hey, see it my way. My way is the only way, but, uh, it was, I was making them aware that they were kind of draining my energy that I was really not, I didn't really want to be in this place to just kind of like take on your, your whole day. You know, I was just kind of like wanted to protect, you know, protect and, and uh, be within my own energy at that point in my life. So yeah, I noticed that after, after a little while, they seemed to kind of kind of, okay, I, I, I get it, you know, so having that conversation is helpful. Um, Sandy, we're getting up here in time. I would like to try to squeeze one more question in here if you're cool with it. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I, I, ask, uh, I ask guests this one um, fairly often, simply is, uh, what does the world need more of right now? Oh, the first answer that comes up is love, love and peace. Like if we can, if we can learn to to view everything, no matter how painful it is, no matter how much you don't believe in it, no matter how opposing it is, if you can view it through the lens of love, then love is going to teach you something because love is also the most ancient traveler. It has been here long before we've been here. It's the reason that we're here and it's going to be here long before we're gone. And so in order for us to be instruments of love, we have to be able to view the world through that perspective, no matter how much we disagree with the things that are happening around us. And the more that we can do that, the better teachers and just people we can be in general, because we're all here to teach and we're also all here to be students and learn as well. Mm, yeah, we're here to take the curriculum. Instruments of love. That was a wonderful thing that you just said. I like that. Um, okay, so, so so summarizing your um, your website, let's make sure we send everybody. Where, where can they find more of your stuff, more of your talks? Like, where can we get your info? Where can we find you? Yeah, you can find everything on sandyvo.com. So S-A-N-D-Y-V as in victory O.com. And you'll, it'll connect you with every every program, um, service, there's a free meditation right on there. Um, my podcast and then, uh, other podcasts that I've been on, we're working on that right now. And then, um, my Instagram, all of that is on there as well. Okay. I love it. I'll include it in that description. What's the name of your podcast one more time? It's prosperous. The podcast. Love it. All right, everybody check that out. Check out Sandy Vo. I'll include the uh, info in, in the description. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This was a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for having me, Jake. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, take care, listeners. Take care of yourself. Love yourself. Stretch. Drink a little bit of water. And uh, look around. You got, you got life right here. Be here. Take care. See you later, Sandy. Thank you.